Welcome to The Checkup, brought to you by Barry Nelson's Health Law Team. The Checkup is a series of interviews, case studies and stories with some truly interesting and innovative people from all kinds of backgrounds, lawyers, doctors, authors, cyber experts and more. Together we provide a regular dose of all the latest happenings in healthcare and tackle some of the big issues within the industry. If you'd like to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to get in touch with our team, head to bnlaw.com.au. Welcome back to The Checkup. I'm Melissa Carrius, a solicitor in the Barry Nelson Health Law Team. And today I'm fortunate to be joined by Avelina Tarago, a barrister with North Quarter Lane Chambers in Brisbane and the president of the Indigenous Lawyers Association of Queensland. Thanks for joining me, Avelina. Thanks for having me. In today's episode, Avelina and I are looking at the cultural and legal issues for health practitioners who have patients of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island background. Since the Closing the Gap initiative began 10 years ago, some progress has been made to improve the lives of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, but there is still work to be done in achieving equity in Indigenous health. The well-being of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community depends on social, emotional, spiritual and cultural health of its members. If health services are to provide high-quality care to patients of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander background, they need support in understanding and addressing the specific health needs of these patients, including the significant role that culture plays in their health and well-being. This is obviously a complex topic as it involves an interaction of environmental and biological factors, behaviours and social context. Avelina, could you please begin by telling us about the main cultural issues that health services should be aware of when interacting with patients of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander background and how to overcome some of the barriers that they might face? Yes, so some of the major issues that we see in community are centred around communication Uh, with clinicians, uh, in particular the information that's been provided to the patient, um, ensuring that uh, the use of medical terminology is limited so that it's uh, simple uh, to understand but is not patronising. Also understanding that some Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people may have English as their second, third or fourth language. Uh, So whether there's a a need for interpreters from those particular uh, groups to be present to assist in that communication process. Speaking of language, there's a fantastic new app called Wankokuchu, which translates English with the Pintupi Luricha language to help dialysis patients better communicate with medical staff. So hopefully that will lessen stress on patients who worry about being misunderstood or not understanding what doctors or nurses are telling them. Definitely, and it's really important to integrate culture into um, healthcare uh, and being engaging with patients so that they feel um, included in the process. Literacy is also another important factor. So not all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people might have the same level of literacy and it's going to depend on their engagement through education processes. Uh, So it's really important to ensure during consent um, obligations to that those community members are able to understand what they're signing and what is the legal background in respect of their procedures if they're going in for a particular procedure. 
Well, another way of ensuring that the patient understands the procedure might be by demonstrating it. So, for instance, if the patient refuses an ear examination, it might be overcome by allowing the patient to look through the otoscope to understand how it works. Definitely. And I think those visual tools are are helpful. Uh, They all also might assist if there's uh, interpreter issues as well, uh, where there's a visual cue for them to engage in the process. Another way is to engage with the uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander uh, Hospital Liaison Officer. Mm -hmm. Um, And those staff members are really crucial to bridging any gaps between clinicians and patients and also their families. So where there is miscommunication between a doctor and a patient, it not only results in less than optimal health outcomes, but it can also create mistrust and disengagement with the health sector. Avelina, you've previously worked as a senior health officer for the Health Ombudsman. Can you tell us about your experience with complaints being made by patients of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island background? Yeah, so just speaking generally, um, a lot of the complaints that I I saw, and also in the coronial jurisdiction for healthcare-related deaths, uh, the communication issue was a strong feature in respect of uh, understanding their clinical needs and the way that things were communicated by clinicians and and support staff, so um, nurses and uh, specialists. There's also some issue of discrimination and um, preconceived ideas within community and stereotypes, unfortunately. So dismissing cultural considerations and um, staff being culturally inept to deal with the healthcare for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people does become an issue. And also being aware of the the key health concerns and factors that are emerging and and well studied for uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Uh, particularly for um, deaths that are related to non-communicable diseases, so understanding what the top factors are in respect of those healthcare and making the appropriate investigations in order to combat uh, the likelihood of complaints being raised. Uh, Can you give us some examples of what those top factors might be? Yeah, so ischemic heart disease, uh, diabetes, uh, kidney and, and liver disease, uh, being some of the the most prevalent. Avelina, you mentioned earlier that there might be um, some things that are of cultural significance to these patients that doctors might not be aware of. Could you give us some examples of, of that and how um, doctors might better identify those issues and, and overcome them? Definitely. So one of the major issues is in relation to gender. So Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture is very strongly gender Uh, focused in men's business and women's business. So where you have specific health concerns that um, in particular sexual health issues, it might be inappropriate, for example, a a female clinician um, speaking with an an older male patient in respect of sexual health uh, from a community perspective that would not be uh, a comfortable process for the patient. Uh, because of those um, cultural protocols that are in place and vice versa. So silence might also be another indicator that um, there is something to investigate or probe more or or that it might uh, be inappropriate to ask those questions. So also being mindful that men's business and women's business might be a factor where you're not uh, eliciting the information that you want, in particular trying to get a medical history from a patient um, and then 
they're, they're silent and they're, they're not responding. Being mindful of the respect for elders. So elders and children are placed in a very um, high position of respect in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. So ensuring that um, elders in particular are given the time uh, to engage in the process in a respectful uh, manner would assist clinicians in, in building that rapport with patients. Another factor also to be conscious of is where you have um, a patient who seems to be engaging in the process uh, through positive affirmation. And um, this could also be linked to gratuitous concurrence where they don't actually understand the process, but it, it's a sign of, of respect to, to and also authority through um, colonial history for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to agree uh, to what is being put to them or questions that have been asked of them as, as a sign of respect. So they might not actually understand what's been asked of them or understand uh, where the clinician is um, is trying to uh, ensure that they understand the process. So in those cases, I would suggest to clinicians to get the patient to express in their own words uh, their understanding of of the conversation or or the particular issue. Yeah, certainly. I think that could be really useful for all doctors and um, their approach to all patients, not just um, patients of an Indigenous background. The cultural acceptability of health services is one important aspect of um, access to healthcare for patients of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander background. But when we talk about access regarding Indigenous health, a big issue, of course, is physical proximity to services. Avelina, could you tell us about the major environmental factors which affect Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's access to healthcare? Access to healthcare is definitely an important issue for community particularly so for those who are in regional or remote areas where uh, the population is a lot smaller and they may not have a hospital that's in um, close proximity to their residents. Uh, that's where it's really important for community to engage through local medical centres or clinics, but also engaging with um, national Aboriginal community-controlled organisations that provide um, uh, that level of, of care uh, in a culturally sensitive manner as well. Um, engagement for our community members is, is often poor and um, that's for a variety of reasons, one of them including that um, um, they may not feel comfortable going into a clinic and that their uh, health concerns may be dismissed as a result. So ensuring that staff who are going out to these regional and remote areas have the capability for engaging with community in a meaningful way that will provide the best health care in addition to um, building rapport with community. So where medical services are being provided to patients in rural and remote or uh, transient communities, one key determinant of good health care outcomes is ensuring that the health information is available when practitioners need it. So, Avelina, what role do you think my health record has in improving the management of health care for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? I think that it will have a strong role to play, particularly for those who are transient in the community or um, where they're travelling to major centres, um, so your major cities, 
and townships uh, to receive um, hospital care because there is no hospital where they live. So um, having that medical history of that patient uh, should assist a, a clinician to make the appropriate investigations, having all of that information readily available at that point in time and also for emergency presentations, so where things are really critical and you're not eliciting that important information to get a medical history, um, the My Health Record would assist in, in bridging that gap. So, Avelina, is there anything else that health services could be mindful of in providing um, a health service to rural and remote um, patients, including in terms of transportation to services? Definitely. So transport is a key factor in, in getting the engagement with patients. So some community members may not have the resources to, to get to their appointments. And so if transportation services are provided, particularly in the regional and remote areas, but also in urban settings as well, uh, then you're most likely to have higher patient compliance because they're more engaged in the process uh, because they're attending those appointments. And what suggestions do you have um, for continuity of care and ensuring that, um, you know, medications are being taken and follow-up is is appropriate? I think it's important to have that, uh, build that rapport with the patient. Unfortunately, due to historical factors, some um, members of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community have trust issues with, with um, any position of authority and and medical profession is is one of those professions where it's held in high regard, like barristers and police officers. But unfortunately, with that comes a stigma from community that their concerns might not be taken seriously. So engaging in that rapport building process with community um, patients is really important to ensuring that uh, there's that strong relationship with them. Another way is also... Um, tapping into the, the processes that Closing the Gap report has established and the targets that it's set. Uh, there's also mechanisms such as subsidised medicine under Closing the Gap scheme, which would make it more affordable if um, for those community members who aren't already getting subsidised medication uh, to, to be able to afford their medication for compliance with whatever health concerns that they have. Okay. And finally, Avelina, um, what do you think the role of family is in the provision of healthcare services to a patient? Family is such an important part of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture. Um, We operate in a holistic way with our community members as well. So we're looking uh, to support of our family and subject to any privacy issues that might be relevant. So seeking consent from your patient to involve the family in the process, but it might go some way into improving the healthcare outcomes. Uh, So in in particular around mental health uh, issues, uh, family may want to be more engaged to assist that family member um, and also issues in respect of illicit drug or iatrogenic addiction, where you have family members who want to report back, I guess, to the clinician, and this is more so for your general practice, but report back to the clinician about things they've observed that their their relative might not um, disclose to their their doctor at the time, but might assist in, in that holistic healthcare 
Another important aspect that we've seen in, in that regard is in particular project up in Cairns through the Woodchopperin uh, Medical Clinic where they have uh, a, a justice agreement with, so it, it deals with the, the legal uh, and the health issues that come up in that space and, and seeing that they are connected to one another as sometimes as symptoms of one another. Um, we have higher engagement with um, the criminal justice system as a result of poor health and vice versa. And this year we've just had our first uh, health justice conference, which was partnered with the National Indigenous Legal Conference this year, specifically discussing the health um, and justice uh, connection and um, how better health care and better justice outcomes can be achieved by addressing both issues at the same time. Now, Evelina, if you could leave our listeners with one final piece of advice um, for interacting with patients of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander background, what would that be? Well, one thing that I always ask people is um, that they make their understanding of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture a lifelong lesson. As an Aboriginal person, it is my lifelong lesson uh, to learn constantly from my elders and it's not just a one-hour cultural competency session that's going to give you the skills necessary to be able to engage with community. So um, taking time in your life to reflect and, and see how you can integrate it in your work and you as a person and being proud of um, our Australian history collectively. So, Avelina, where might health services um, go to find more information on how to engage with patients from a clinical perspective? So the best place to go to is the National Aboriginal Community Control Health Organisation, NACHO, uh, as the peak body for health services for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Um, they are connected, well, they're representative of each state and territory peak body and uh, best equipped to uh, assist in education and also uh, employment opportunities in, in those communities. Thank you very much for your time and insight into this topic, Avelina. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into The Checkup. We have links to the organisations that we've mentioned in our episode notes and we welcome any feedback you might have or health topics that you would like to know more about. Just head to bnlaw.com.au to get in touch. And please let us know if you would like to be involved in The Checkup. Chat soon. Chat soon.